So where did the business come from? Like what worked for you to get business coming in? I expected that a lot of that would come from my friends. It didn't. So back at it now, I feel like if I was in a car business and I had some of my friends that are just got licensed and came to me and said, Hey, I can do your mortgage. I'd probably be a bit hesitant to trust with a big decision, right? And to somebody who just got licensed. And I think that's where um, the hesitation came from. You know, I'd see friends on Facebook showing that they bought this new place and I think, well, why didn't you use me, right? And right now I understand. It's actually an uns- they will never say it to you. I call it the unspoken objection. They go like, yeah, Aussie, I definitely will call you. But in the back of their head, they're like, I'm going to wait two years and see if you're still around. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, welcome to the ILMB Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, Dr. Rookie is making ways in the industry to find out how they're surviving and thriving in this competitive market. Today, I have Constantine Sero-Stan. I hope I said that correctly. Constantine Sherostan, cool name. And Constantine is a guy who actually lives in my community in uh, Kelowna, BC. He's a mortgage broker and got his mortgage license right during COVID. So awesome time, you know, when everything shut down. And I just love this guy, man. He's got so much drive and we scratched the surface of his whole story of moving from Russia, of not knowing the language, of, you know, the challenges of getting a residency, the challenges of getting a job here and how every single job that he got into, he was able to climb his way up to manager very quickly or top salesperson. And then how most recently he jumped into mortgages and is doing fantastic at that. And, you know, in his first year he did, I think he said 11 mortgages, then 20 million. And then this year he's going to finish at 30 million. So just a very inspiring guy and conversation. I think you're going to love it. You know, he talks about a file that he lost with a co-signer and we go back and forth on how do you stick handle that? How do you do that better? And just all around, I just think that you're going to enjoy this. Very inspiring and super smart dude. Hey, before we jump in that conversation with Constantine, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform. It's very easy for brokers to use, which is awesome, especially if you're newer. It's also very easy for borrowers to use. As the borrower is filling out the app, it's figuring out exactly what documents you need. It's got smart docs, so it tells the client, hey, you're self-employed, here's what we're going to need. When that app comes in, you can then go search Lender Spotlight, which has all the rates and guidelines. It's very easy to use as well. It's very robust and allows you to figure out where to send that file. And then finally, when you go to hit submit, it's also knows it pulls the key data from the application, puts in the submission notes, because you may not know this, but if you've actually see what the lender sees on their side, it's very different than what you see in most cases. Every lender has their own portal. And so to make it easy for your lender and your underwriter to say yes, is going to get you more approvals. Check them out at lendscom slash Finmo and check out this conversation with Constantine. Hey, Constantine, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott, thanks for having me here. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from. Oh, man, that's a bit of a long story. I'll try to summarize it quickly. I uh, was born and raised in Russia and moved to Kelowna, straight to Don't Kelowna. you have to call it Mother Russia? It's Mother Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, born in Mother Russia. Not with any events, Yeah, exactly. That's actually a bad word now. We can't say that, but it's you, you Your family, though, I guess, right? So you don't get where you get born. But yeah, I moved to Kelowna, to Canada in 2008 for school. And I was 17 at the time, didn't know anybody here, didn't speak English. And at that time, it seemed like it would be a fun trip. And very soon I realized how difficult it is to be in another country and even cooking and doing laundry on your own. And uh, yeah, so it was tough, but went to college, worked at, you know, Domino's for a while, sort of trying to sort of pay for my bills, pay for tuition, 
After graduation, worked at Best Buy as well. So that's where I really worked and developed my sales skills. And then I ended up in the car business. So I spent about seven years at a local Dodge dealership here in Kelowna and did sales, finance, sales again. So that's really where I guess I learned about credit and again, worked on my sales skills and people's skills and talking with a lot of people every day. And here I am today. And when did you get your mortgage license? Yeah, so actually did my real estate license first. I started at the beginning of 2019, passed my exam around May of 2019, took my mortgage broker license course throughout the summer and then did my exam in September, passed it and still wasn't quite ready to make the move because the money was still good in the car biz. I knew it, I loved it, but knew I wanted something different. So I didn't start in the mortgage business until COVID really hit and it was for me, end of May, 2020. Right, which is right after the whole, like March, I think is when everything's like, March, February, everything closed in March, 2020. All right, I wanna go back. I know some of your stories, which I think is fascinating. So how much English did you know when you came to Canada to go to school? Yeah, very minimal. I actually studied German in school, but for like 10, 11 years, but my German is no better than most Canadians French, I guess it's in Western part here. So, I really only had a few months of learning English and, you know, from basics, like alphabet days, numbers, like I really couldn't maintain a conversation when I first got here. Okay. So what was the program you're going to take in school? Business. Yeah. Originally I was going uh, to take accounting because I always loved numbers and numbers came easy to me, but I soon realized that accounting in Russia is very different and my plan was originally to return back and it's saying, yeah, where's the part of the accounting where you actually have to pay the people from, you know, that are coming to your door saying, Hey, we're paying your security. You don't yeah. pay us. Yeah. Is that an <laughs> actual line of the accounting tax in Russia? You know? Yeah, it probably, probably is. So, so <laughs> I soon switched to just general management, I guess, because I thought it'd be more universal and you have a piece yeah. of paper that says you graduated from college in Canada and management. I thought it would really boost my career opportunities in Russia, but I also fell in love with Canada and with Kelowna particularly, and just did everything I could to stay and sort of make this my home. Okay. So how did you pass your English proficiency test? Because <laughs> <laughs> I know how this works. So tell me what happened there with your English proficiency, because you didn't actually know how to do English, but you had to do that uh, to college, right? I mean, uh, whether it was luck or destiny, I'm not sure. I arrived to Kelowna a day too late when everybody else already wrote their English exam. So they put me in some prof's office and sort of gave me the questions, gave me the paper to write. And uh, by luck, I guess the computer was unlocked and Google was open and I just started Googling the answers. And so like basically, because they're asking you like, because you couldn't even read the questions. So it's not like you couldn't come up with an answer, but you just couldn't read the questions because they're yeah. English. And you, yeah, Google Translate is a magical thing. You can type it in, it'll translate in any language so you can go back and forth. So, I mean, the grammar isn't perfect, but at least, you know, you understand what the question is from the translation. You can put the answer back and, right. you know, word by word. And I didn't, like, with the ESL, English as a Second Language course, there are six different tiers. So ESL 1 is where I really belong. ESL 6, where I end up in the top level, where I only needed to take one semester of English. but was also allowed to take academic courses in the meantime, which is quite interesting as well. I mean, you go to college, right? And you're with everybody. I don't know anything other than hello and goodbye. And my name is Constantine, but I took mostly math classes, like math accounting in the first semester because- Because math is gonna be less like numbers are the universal. Yeah. yeah, once you learn debit, credit, assets, liabilities, then you know you just put the numbers in the right spot. And 
Right. Yeah. I just think that just shows a level of like, you know, creativity and just being like, I'm going to go for it anyway. Cause otherwise you would have not been able to take courses and you would have just been taking ESL. So then how did you pick up the language? I mean, what did you do to accelerate your understanding of the language? What helped? Yeah. I mean, I'll give a lot of credit to uh, my roommate at the dorms. So I moved here in July and there weren't really any other students at the dorms throughout the summer, except for very few. So my roommate, it seemed like it was his goal to help me learn as much as I could and uh-huh. in the dictionary everywhere and trying to watch the news and I don't know, TV with subtitles and trying to pick up words and learn the words. And of course, from reading the textbooks and I had to translate literally every word with a dictionary. So it would take me five, six, seven hours plus to just read one chapter because you have to take it, translate it. But then when you translate it, it's like, I don't know what that word means. And then you got to look up the word. Like just, you know, wow. Again, that just shows to me a ton of drive. So, all right, we'll talk about the mortgage career now. But and I mean, that's only one of the many hurdles you had to overcome to be able to like make Canada work for you. I think it's amazing. Like, sure, yeah. If anybody ever gets a chance to have a beer with Constantine, he's got lots of stories about how you're still here basically and have a thriving mortgage business. So you were selling cars like, hey, now's the time I got my license. So what did you do to get going at that point? A car business kind of slow. I mean, right, the car business has been good up until recently. It was really good. So but what did you do to get your mortgage business going once you realized that you're going to jump into that? Yeah, I think for the last few years of me being in the car business, I just felt like there was something more out there for me or something I'd enjoy doing more, perhaps. So, and that's what really pushed me to get licensed as I said, as a realtor first and then as a mortgage broker. But of course, I didn't pursue my realtor career. But I think just driving every day, you know, Tune back from work, I just noticed that all those new homes being built around us, right, and condo buildings. And I thought that I could help people with that on a bigger level, I guess, than helping them with a vehicle loan. But when I started as a mortgage worker, of course, everything was shut down. Like our office was closed. Nobody was going for coffees. And even if people did, it was very easy for a realtor or accountant or any potential referral partner to say, oh, sorry, actually not seeing anybody. So challenging time, but at the same time, there were lenders that were still willing to help me out get on the phone sort of and talk about their products, reading books, listen to your podcasts and many others. So I think that's where um, a really strong knowledge sort of foundation was built that I could lean on later on once I was able to make those relationships. Yeah. Where did you get your first file? How did you get it? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember actually. It almost fell apart because, again, I wasn't able to get help with it quickly because nobody was available and as I said there's no office to go to and bug somebody but it was a referral from one of my friend's dad who's a realtor so I didn't even expect that at all it's just yes they've known me for a long time again that their families bought multiple vehicles for me when I was at the dealership so they knew me as a person and also knew how I do business you know and treated clients so I think that's what really helped them to trust me with a mortgage file, which was a pretty complicated B file. And yeah, <laughs> it was tough, but I got it over the finish line. So that felt you got it to work. Okay. So, the, and then how did you do in that first year? So, if you don't mind me asking, how many mortgages did you close in that first in 2020? Do you know? I know you have your numbers. Yeah. I run spreadsheets. Like spreadsheets are my life. I have spreadsheets to keep track of my spreadsheets. It's like, here's all my links to all my other spreadsheets. It's like, exactly. Yeah. So the first year was, uh, I think there's about 11 files in the first since yeah mid 2020 until the end of that year. And what would the volume been on that? About four and a half million. And then how was 2021 for you? Yeah. 2021 sort of took off just like it did for many of us in the business. And I did 44 files and the volume worked out to be about 22 and a half million. 
Right. And then how's it gone so far this year? Yeah, on track to hit 30. So 30 million. Yeah. Right. That's awesome, man. Congrats to that. And then, so is there any point you question, like, man, what did I get myself into? Like, at any point you're like, man, I should go back to selling cars. Did you get tempted or did you just stay all in on mortgages? Yeah, it was very difficult. I think the first few months, like May, June, July, were tough because, again, everything was closed, but it also gave me a mental break from working too hard. I was able to enjoy my time and go to the beach and hang out and really take a break from working too hard for so many years. But at the same time, the lack of business was tough, right? I was so used to getting consistent, good paycheck coming from the, being in the car industry and all of a sudden gone to zero. And as we know, of course, even if you do the file, you don't get paid until it closes and it can close sometimes months later, right? So mm-hmm. I think there was definitely moments where I was mentally maybe like thinking about, oh, what have I done? But as soon as business started to come and I realized the impact that it could make, in people's lives, really, on the, on the large scale, that became really rewarding. And every day, like, I get reminded what the difference I make in people's lives where I'm enabling them to buy that first home, right? And for some of them, it's the first home that, you know, in their family, like nobody, their parents weren't able to afford it. So just being mm-hmm. that enabler and that person that really makes it happen, I think it's just very impactful. And that's what drives me. That's why I get out of bed every day. Right. And so you did like four and a half, 22, 30. So where did the business come from? Like what worked for you to get business coming in? I expected that a lot of that would come from my friends. It didn't. So back at it now, I feel like if I was in a car business and I had some of my friends that are just got licensed and came to me and said, hey, I can do your mortgage. I'd probably be a bit hesitant to trust with a big decision, right? And to somebody who just got licensed. And I think that's where um, the hesitation came from. You know, I'd see friends on Facebook showing that they bought this new place. And I think, well, why didn't you use me? Right. And right now I understand. It's actually an uns. They will never say it to you. I call it the unspoken objection. They go like, yeah, Aussie, I definitely will call you. But in the back of their head, they're like, I'm going to wait two years and see if you're still around. Because be like, you want the surgeon who's this is their first time doing surgery or the paramedic who's brand new. It's like, uh, I'd rather wait. And then once you've been around now, I'm sure that is probably you're noticing more and more of your friends are coming out and saying, hey, Constantine, because. Now you're, you know, legit. That's so. right. Yeah. Now I have something to back myself up with, right? It's not just, you know, I don't have to fake it anymore, but it's definitely a lot of fake it till you make it. I definitely sort of uh, lived by that. And um, so then if it wasn't from friends, where did the business come from that you were able to do in this last couple of years? It's like, it's almost 50 million, like 22 and a half plus 30. Where did that bulk of that business come from? Yeah. A lot of that came uh, from the realtors that I knew in the area here, because again, through the car business, a lot of them, you know, everybody needs a car. So I was able to make some relationships and connections while I was selling cars, right? And relationship business, I wasn't really selling. I was making it happen for them. And I think a lot of them knew the quality of service that I provide. And they trusted that I provide great service to their clients. And uh, yeah, extremely thankful for that opportunity and trust. And many of those relationships are still ongoing today. So we've been just over two years, two and a half years, but yeah, stronger than ever. And then, so what was something you did to get those realtors? I mean, they knew you from the car business, but again, realtors are no different than clients in that their paycheck is on the line here, you know, not just the house. So what worked for you for getting realtors to refer you? Yeah. You know, I could back up myself with the knowledge and not really experience, but with the guidelines that I learned from the lenders, from the books that I read, sort of, I knew how mortgage business works. I knew how credit works. I did finance for a bit. Yeah. Finance actually is a great incubator for mortgage brokers. Like car finance is similar. Yeah. In a lot of ways. At the end of the day, at our brokerage, we had an underwriter, full-time underwriter that I could bring the business to. So 
as soon as I could deliver the information that, hey, I know what's going on. I'll take good care of your clients. I have strong support team behind me. Like at the end of the day, I think mortgage is no different than any other sales position, right? Like people deal with people they like. And if they can trust and like you, then the business will come. They knew that I'll figure it out. I'll make it happen. And they knew how I work and how I operate. And I guess a lot of them knew my story as well, moving here and making it happen. So, and yeah, the hustle, I mean, again, we just touched briefly on, you know, just getting into the school was the first challenge. Then it was like getting to stay here and then getting your citizenship and then, you know, all the other things that it took or getting your residence card. So, all right. So could you share a file that you lost, but now looking back, you're like, dang, I would not lose that file today. Not because I want people to focus on the negatives, but there's always learning. And I see there's a thousand and one ways to lose a file. So yeah, let's share one that was for you that you know you could do differently. The one that really stands out is one of the first sort of applications, first inquiries that I received. And it was actually from a friend that I've known for a good 10, 12 years. And she trusted me sort of, you know, to come to me looking to purchase a property, her first property. And everything went well until we realized that we need to get her dad on board as well. And dad went along and sort of, did the application, sending the documents. But in the last minute, what happened is that he decided to talk to somebody at his bank that he's known for a long time and take his business there. And I think it's hard to say whether I would have been able to still keep that business now or not. But I realized that I haven't spent enough time building the relationships with him and didn't earn his trust. And I think that's why the business went elsewhere. Like everything was done, everything was approved. He was okay to provide everything I needed to take the file to the finish line. And last minute, he just trusted somebody else more than he trusted me because I never really got into it with him and never built trust. That's happened to me. You got to win them over too. You got to like sell them on, you know, get them on a call, get them on a Zoom call or something. Don't just assume just because they've got a lot of input in this process. And so or a lot of influence rather. And you don't, you don't win them over. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, you got to talk to anybody that's co-signing. You want to make sure you bring them into the process, make them feel smart for choosing you, you know, esteem them for basically, hey, it's great that you're helping them. And I use language, and you probably already know this, even though they don't. Right. And then you basically make them seem like they're a rock star in front of their kid. And then they go, I like this mortgage broker, right? You probably already know this, but this is how CMHC works. You probably already know this, but this is how. And what happens is, is you're making them feel like they've actually you know, they made a good choice. And so I found that to be extremely effective. I had people that were like, literally, there was no chance they were going to work with me until I got in front of them and their kid, and then you could win them over. So give them a reputation to live up to essentially. Okay. So what's three things you did that you think helped you be successful? What's three things that were helpful for you? Yeah. I think really what a lot of new brokers that I talk to don't really do is understand that the different lenders guidelines, every lender, every bank has different policy. And I know it's tough to really understand it all, but you really need to start there and build a base, the foundation of the knowledge, knowing where the file goes and how it's going to be looked at. And, you know, exceptions and all of that comes later, but from the income to rental policies and co-signers versus guarantors, like there's just so much information there. That's very important. A lot of people don't know. So the policy from the lenders reaching out to the lenders and it's their job to get your business. So everybody's very happy to help. So that would be one thing. And then um, getting out there and just really meeting people that are influential or successful, or I guess will be successful. You can always tell like about somebody's level of drive. And at the end of the day, it's just going to be people that you like trust and can do business together. Right. So I know there are a lot of high performing realtors out there that I probably will never do business because 
we do things differently and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And have business for everybody. And third one, I think um, the process, like I'm still struggling a little bit with it, but really outlining the process from that first phone call or interaction with the client to the end and just really knowing what stage you're at at any given point of time. I think it's just really important. And that's what helped me to really get through files and multiple files and multiple applications in one day, right? Like a lot of people get overwhelmed if they get four or five clients in one day, right? What do you do? But really um, setting that process and knowing what's happening yeah. really helpful. I, I call it map your customer journey. So it's sort of like, I think of it like your recipe. If you're a restaurant, hopefully you have a recipe for how you cook your food. Otherwise, every time people come in, it'll be different. It allows you to become create processes. So you're right. basically, that would be key. Starting with the stages. Here's the different stages. Here's what happens at each stage. And then you slowly improve. And everybody's going to do it differently. That's the great part about our business is that you're going to be a different burger stand than someone else. But people that like it will come back, right? It's exactly. the Russian burger. You know, it's what do we call it? The Chernobyl of burgers. Maybe that's not the right word to use. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. I love the Russian accent, man. It's just the coolest. Okay, so we can ask some rapid fire questions. You can answer with shorter answers if you like. What's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? Yeah, I don't think it's on there, but I actually throughout the elementary and middle school it was a competitive ping pong, like table tennis player. So I've gone to multiple uh, tournaments all over the Europe. And yeah, I still have to play, but it's hard to find a worthy opponent. Sometimes. Oh, dude, I can imagine. I'm not very good. And yeah, that's awesome. Okay, what's a movie everybody should watch at least once? That was a tough one. Uh, so many movies are great. I think the most recent one that I rewatched and made a big impact on me is Forrest Gump. I think there's so oh, yeah. many things in that movie that I think the more time you watch it, somebody will discover new things there and really about how to live your life. And I think it's very impactful. Yeah, it's a great story, actually. I was in Savannah. My wife and I went there a couple of years ago, Georgia, where they filmed it and you go to the park where they had, somebody actually stole the bench that he used for the movie. Yeah. So there's like, where did the bench go? But somebody actually took the original bench from the movie. So they had to put another one back there, but uh, a little random trivia. Okay, so what's three software programs or tools you couldn't run your business without? Yeah, very basic. I think it's very different than most other established brokers will look at it. But as I said, Microsoft Excel is one thing. That's my CRM. That's my tools to do graphs and charts for clients or realtors or accountants or anything like that. And it's incredibly capable, a lot more capable than I am figuring out stuff what it can do. So Excel and then my calendar, like I use Apple iCalendar and I couldn't live without it. Honestly, it just maps out my day and I just know mm-hmm. what I need to do and when I need to do it and just really keeps my life structured. And the other one is actually um, Canva. So I do a lot of- Oh yeah, it's a pretty cool program. Marketing stuff there. And I saw, you make some great posts. Every once in a while I see some of your stuff, I'm like, that's pretty good. Like, you know, so I've seen some of your stuff. Thank you, yeah. So I think you do a a good job of them. So yeah, and Canva makes you feel like a graphic designer because it's like literally, you know, drag and drop kind of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. What's the best advice you received as a new mortgage broker? Hmm, that's a bit tricky. Oh, you know what? I think um, it's more of a... Listen to the podcast. Oh, no, sorry. That's what I... Listen listen to all the podcasts. Okay, sorry. Keep going. No, I think it's more of a statement, like relationships over transactions. And that's what I'm really trying to live by. You know, don't chase every deal. Don't chase every opportunity there. It's do business, as I said, with people you like and trust and build strong relationships. And then things will come. It relates to so many things like client advice, right? If the clients come to you and they have a better option, you truly know that there's a better solution out there that what you can provide, just really letting them know, right. And building a relationship and trust and they'll come back and you know that 
if you refer them somewhere else, they'll come back to you for advice next time. So that's hundred percent, hundred percent. One of my favorite videos to send to people was that there's a song, take the money and run. I would send them a clip to that. They'd be like, Hey Scott, what do you think about this? I'm like, this is what I think you should do. And it would be that video, go on and take the money and run by, Oh man, I can't remember who the singer is today, but it's an old song. Okay. But, uh, cause I, I just the same thing, like tell them what you would do if you were them. Like if you were, you know, if it was me, that's what I would do. Like, and you build so much more trust that way. And you're playing the long game instead of, hey, what am I going to get out of this one conversation? And so I think that's what you're talking about. All right. So if you're going to start over again today, let's say we drop you down in a new city and you have to learn Spanish quickly to become. <laughs> but what would you do differently if you were starting over your mortgage career today? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit different. I guess COVID isn't there. So it's a lot easier to meet people. And again, building those relationships from the start, right? And it doesn't have to be somebody established. It could be a new agent or a new financial planner. And that's what I tell people. Like, I'm going to be successful. I, I know you'll be successful. So let's get to know each other and you know, move forward and really just be good humans, right? So if, if the relationship is there, the business will come. So meeting people, like-minded people, I think, and doing as much of that as possible would be getting in front of people. my number one priority. Yeah, you seem like you're very good with people and your previous jobs and things that you're doing. I think people was a big part of it. So probably why you had such success when you're selling cars, success when you they made you, I think, manager at Best Buy, you know, manager at Domino's. So like you quickly get the hang of things and then climb the ladder quickly. And so dude, I think it's amazing. So how many years ago did you actually come to Canada again? Uh, yeah, 14 and a half, 2008, right? So 14 years ago and literally from like not even speaking the language to now running like a, you know, successful mortgage business is pretty awesome. Actually, I think just what you've accomplished and you've had to overcome a lot more obstacles than most people. No, no, everybody has their own path, but you know, you've had more obstacles than some for sure. Where can people find you online? So they're looking for you. Yeah, I think my website, brokerk.ca and Instagram is where I'm the most active as broker underscore Constantine with a K. Yeah, that's where I hang out. <laughs> broker K. Awesome, man. K, Constantine, always good to chat with you, brother. And congrats on your success. Awesome. I appreciate it, Scott. All right. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Hopefully you got a couple ideas from Constantine. You got some inspiration for your own mortgage business. A couple quick things. First, if you are a new mortgage agent and you're trying to figure out what do I do with my mortgage business? How do I get it going? Go check out rookie2rockstar.ca. I have a webinar there where I walk you through exactly how we help rookie agents grow referral-based businesses. Check that out at rookie2rockstar.ca. Thanks again for checking out this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.